And now, beautiful people going fast on fire. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast, Kino Club Edition. Welcome to True Fiction's Kino Club. What is Kino Club? A group of film lovers get together and watch a film. Then we meet after and break down what we saw. This is a warts and all recording where we share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there will be spoilers, so be warned. This meeting we review the 2010 animated Batman movie, Under the Red Hood. According to Rotten Tomatoes, in this movie, Batman faces a vigilante who aims to clean up Gotham but does not follow his moral code. Rotten Tomatoes also gives this movie a 100% fresh rating from the critics and a 92% fresh rating from the audience. Batman is almost always a fun watch, but we had a pretty serious discussion about this one. Without further ado, Kino Club discuss Batman Under the Red Hood. We watched the 2010 animated Batman movie Under the Red Hood. What did you guys think of that? All right. I I uh, I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was uh, short, concise storytelling. I, I It sort of made me, well, the thing I liked about it is it made me think about broader themes. I don't know if it intended to do that, but I had an overall a positive impression of it. So I'll say that. I got to shut the door because the dogs are. I will say this. Like Norbert, uh, I, I had a positive impression, um, although I found... I found there to be a lot of problems with regards to the storyline. The storyline itself isn't bad. I just think that it does a half-assed job of tackling a very real issue of why Batman does not kill. And it speaks to sort of the philosophical element of do you save one, do you save one life to... You know, do, you, do you save the Joker's life to prevent further crime and he just keeps getting out? I mean, at some point you have to, to wonder why have you not killed him? So so I like the deeper elements of it, uh, of the story myself. I was bored out of my skull for the first 40 minutes of that, of that movie. And I was like, I, I just, I really expected at that point to be coming to coming into this saying things like, you knew exactly what was going to happen. There were no surprises. There was nothing mature. There was nothing. I won't go so far as to say it wasn't intelligent. It was intelligent. I mean, anything that's good Batman is going to be intelligent. It's going to be engaging. And I will say that, so for the first 40 minutes, I was really just, come on. And it really developed nicely at about the halfway point and became that more mature story that, that Corey was talking about, you know, and they introduced much, much bigger themes than origin storiness. You know, it was, it had some really challenging concepts in it really, uh, or it, at least, at least it introduced some challenging concepts. I came away, I came away from it when I was finished with it going, wow, that was actually pretty good Batman. You know, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was dark. It was interesting um, it left several things unfinished, and I enjoyed that part of it. I had no idea who Ra's al Ghul was at the beginning. I didn't realize that was Ra's al Ghul, and I think that I'm missing oh. maybe some of the movies in the in this series. Uh, I've seen one that came to mind recently was uh, The Killing Joke. You know, I've seen some others, so I'm familiar with the animated Batman, but I even thought there was an interesting, the way that they did the flashback scenes kind of that ghosted you know kind of transition and stuff that was a neat way to handle that especially environmentally that we were returning to the scene of a thing you know and so uh like i said it, it did win me over so if anybody not any anybody listening to this hasn't watched it sit through the first 40 minutes and it won't <laughs> and then it, it'll deliver after that so i would also add this if you have not seen this movie stop this podcast right now Go watch it and then start because I, I really want to get into this, but I don't know why, but I just feel like, you know, I'm not, I don't have a hard time with spoilers, but this one, it's so full of, I agree with part of what you said, Michael, I'm never going to agree with you hundred percent, but uh, I agree with part of you, what you said, I think, and what happened. So I watched this a couple of times. I read Batman up, you know, up into the nineties and then I stopped. 
So not, and this may have all happened before the nineties. Cause I don't remember but with Jason Todd and then, you know, and then, and Robin becoming Nightwing and all this stuff. This is new stuff our newer stuff to a uh, Batman. And I, I say newer cause I know it's, it's right 30 years old, but, but see, you're right. That's one thing I loved about this. This wasn't, we didn't get to see uh, Martha getting shot and her pearls fly all over the place, which I was oh, so yeah. grateful for that. A lot of that, when it first came on and it's starting, you like, who got killed? That was Robin, but did Robin die? Was that, which Robin was that? So, and I agree with you with the flashbacks. I love how they put the flashbacks inside the story they didn't really it didn't really take away it was a very succinct way of telling the backstory and the story but they did give you a lot of information quick so that was it was a lot of was catching up so i did a little bit of digging on it um just because i was i actually started looking at the characters because jensen ackles was the um voice of uh jason todd and Neil Patrick Harris was the voice of Nightwing. Yeah, it's, awesome. It's actually, it's actually a combination of two Batman storylines. So one of them is Death in the Family, in which Jason Todd gets killed. And then I can't remember the name of the other, the other one. But, but essentially what, what the movie is, is just a, the combination of these two storylines. And what's what they did a good job with the movie, which they didn't do a good job with uh, the un, the um, death in the family, was essentially death in the family comes out in I think the 1980s, and they do this big promotion where they create this 900 number, and you could call and and decide if you wanted Jason Todd to live or die, and and they were doing this sort of big promotion, and of course everybody hated Jason Todd because he was poorly written, and so they they killed him. But so I thought the movie does a good job of kind of creating a seamless transition between these two storylines. I didn't find the first 40 minutes to be boring. I, I, I appreciated that part because I, it was, they almost Christopher Nolan did, you know what I mean? They, they, the flashbacks really enhanced the storytelling where it fell apart for me was the big twist at the end. And it's not the twist itself. It's Batman's answer. That's what kind of took the wind out of my sail. I think that if you want to, I thought his answer was rather short to that. But I, I mean, it's a very classic answer. You think about it. To me, the, the analogy is the Lord of the Ring. And why don't you, Gandalf, take the ring and put it on? Why don't you, Galadriel, put the take the ring here? Here's the ring. Put it on. No, because what's going to happen is I'm going to be just. I'm going to end up perverting myself, and I'm going to become that which I, I hate. And I, I say, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's a you know you may not you might find that lacking, but I mean that's a that's an answer that I I mean in I, I, in storytelling that I you know a lot of people grapple with and come to that conclusion and i would ask Corey for sure because i wasn't bothered by the answer because it was very classic batman um i don't think it fit our more modern interpretation our nolan-esque kind of interpretation of batman um you know as far as the the, the i'm the hero the city deserves not the hero the hero that it needs or you know whatever that whole shtick was from from nolan's batman so are you Corey? comparing it to the comic batman or are you comparing it to more of the live action batman when you when you say that no i so here's my problem with it the my problem with it and and to to norbert's point batman is very disciplined so the notion that killing the joker would somehow put him over the edge and 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 put him over a line that he quote unquote could never come back from doesn't make sense logically within the context and the framework of Batman as, you know, in its, in its history as a, as a historical whole. I mean, to me, it's a, it's a philosophical question. If the Joker kills, you know, 100,000 people, would you, would you kill the Joker to save 100,000 people? And that was sort of Jason Todd's point, right? Not so much the 100,000 people, but it was more of why do you keep letting him do this? And why do you keep letting him get out? And why did you let him do this to me? It's not that he let him die. It's that he didn't, he didn't avenge 
Jason Todd as, as he thought he should. So it's, I tried not to, I really tried not to compare this Batman to any of the other Batmans because I try to try to treat each one as its own incarnation. But I, I appreciate the fact that they tried to tackle that question. But, but again, you know, to me, the twist at the end, you know, where you go, Oh, you know, the black, the black mask thought he was doing his thing. And and really he was just a pawn. That was beautiful. That's beautiful storytelling. I love that aspect. But then for me, it was just, you know, Jason Todd asking Batman, why don't you kill the Joker? And him just going, oh, I'm going to go over this. I'm going to, I don't want to go past this line. It is classic Batman. And, but what's problematic about that is that we don't, it's not a classic Batman story, you know? So oh. it, it's, it feels out of step with the rest of the movie. Well, and I no. think, I just want to respond to one thing that you said, though. You said that, you know, Batman's, that Batman is so disciplined. I kind of took this as I kind of took his response as a as as a part of that being so disciplined. I know where you're saying, you know, he's disciplined enough to come back from it. And I, I'm, I'm thinking that he's disciplined enough not to go there. Right. And I sure. think that's 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 kind of the, the way that I interpreted it. But I can see it felt a little, dare I say, cop outy, you know, like yeah. they build and build and build and build and build to, you know. Yeah. No, bottom line though, we're talking about Batman, okay? We're not talking sure. about just some guy that just does like we're not talking about the Joker. The Joker is chaotic evil, and so uh, I mean, the first thing that he does when he gets broke out is he shoots all the henchmen. I think <laughs> that's just amazing, you know. I like I figured he, you know, <laughs> the first time I seen that I thought is he going to shoot Black Mass too? I thought that was awesome, but I no, think that, he's chaotic pragmatist. I don't. I've never perceived the Joker to be evil. He's just a pragmatist, you know. <laughs> he just he just goes whatever way the wind catches him, you know. It's it almost feels like he's well. It's hard for me to separate Heath Ledger's Joker from anything else because the idea I always have is that he's the he is a monster. Yeah. But his role is to show everybody else that they're a monster too under the right circumstances. And so, this was kind of, I was not impressed with this Joker. Like I looked up the guy that played it and I don't know that it was the script. I don't know. I don't necessarily, the performance kind of jarred me a little bit, but it was, you know, okay, fine. I got used to it, but it, it was definitely not my favorite Joker. Mike. Mark Hamill can't play the Joker every fucking time, okay? Get over it, dude. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what. I'm man-crushing on Bruce Greenwood a little bit, honestly. I don't think that guy's ever done anything I don't like. And, uh, man, his, him as Batman, that was that was really, really sharp. I, I, like, I liked his performance. I liked his voice. I liked his gravitas. I liked his delivery of, of the, the voice acting in this. I, I really thought it was sharp. So John DiMaggio, who did the Joker, is one of my favorite voice artists. I think he does an amazing job in this one. I love how his voice is, can be kind of low and crunchy, and then he's got this that great Joker laugh. And uh, he also plays uh, Bender from Futurama. So this guy has a oh, okay. has a huge kind of uh, scale. He's, he's, I think he's great. I thought he did an amazing job. I to say somebody was weak on this is basically saying, you know, everybody's at 120% and maybe Neil Patrick Harris was at 110. I, I thought he was, I did think he did a pretty good job, but. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is like, I don't think I objected to DiMaggio's per portrayal. Once I got used to the voice difference, mm -hmm. I, I didn't object to the portrayal. I objected to the writing of the of the Joker. I think it could have been, that he did have the great scene, you know, in the in the in the room with the with the henchman. That was fantastic. But that was really about the only thing that really jokerized it, you know, to me. So. Oh man, I thought the first scene was pretty pretty awesome yeah. too. Where he he just, I, I mean, absolutely. I, when I saw him beat beating Jason yeah. Todd and just beating him and beating him and then kills him, I was like, oh crap. I think the problem that you might be having is he didn't. He wasn't in charge. Okay. Well, you know what's okay. funny about that is he wasn't, he wasn't he until wasn't. he was. You know, he wasn't until he was. This was this was Red Hood's game, right? When you you look at the plan, I mean, if I mean, of course, it's a little bit unbelievable, but his whole plan was exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. Is was exactly what Jason Todd had planned. I thought it was pretty brilliant, and the Joker 
was just the Joker. You know, he was like, I'm going to screw everybody up. I'm just going to have fun. And he enjoys. And, you know, this movie paired with The Killing Joke are, are the perfect bookends because mm. because at the end, you know, because what happens at the end of Killing Joke, because in this one, you know what Joker wants. Joker wants, and I think he's wanted forever, is Batman to actually kill him. I think he really wants Batman to kill him. And uh, I think it's because Batman doesn't kill. That just, you know, freaks him out because he's had such a great time killing people, you know? He loves the anarchic idea of getting Batman to flip that switch, right? He loves, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, his, that's his whole, you know, thing. I mean, at the end, when he's, you know, when he's, when they're there and that, that bomb's there and he's like, all right, we're going to go all go out. This is my dream, basically. You know, we all go out at the same time. Hey, by the way, I'm willing to I, review the killing joke as a next, if you guys want to follow up for real, I'd be all over that. <laughs> That's not a bad you know, idea. I, I just want to, one of the things that as we was talking about this, I, I did think that they did a good job of having different kind of characters as villain. Like Red Hood was one kind of villain and one could argue, and we can get into that later, that he wasn't actually a villain. But you had Ra's al Ghul as a one sort of the mastermind with a code. You had the Joker who was one another kind, and what was his net Black Mask was a very typical kind of crime, crime boss, boss yeah. that was very self self uh, centered and was I do all. Want to was, see his origin story though. Black Mask, yeah, yeah. He, but it felt like you know you had four at least. You know, you had three for sure, different kinds of villains. And a fourth one, depending on how you look at it. And most movies do not have three. I mean, the, the delineation between the characterizations of villains are not typically there. So that somebody was thinking, of, the writer was thinking, and it only had one writer, which I, I think is a good thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it over on you. Uh-oh. Because how i saw the movie the movie for me is not about like the joker is inconsequential to the movie the the movie is about batman and his relationship with jason todd in my mind the movie and the question that jason todd asked him and that weak answer that he gives <laughs> batman's the villain in this story in my mind because because in my mind jason todd is doing the things that batman should be doing or maybe we want batman to be doing and his inability to to be to kill the joker who's been handed to him on a silver platter kind of frames and my how i saw it batman was kind of framed as the bad guy here right it was kind of like hey look he's not even going to kill the joker and so like you know the the black mask i mean maybe he's a good villain maybe he's not i've never seen him before i thought the joker like you guys have said, was was kind of Joker light. Sure. I did appreciate. I did like the the scene where he goes, "Okay, you and I will take a picture, and then you and I will take a picture, then all three of us will take a picture." <laughs> like so, there was, but that twist ending, you know, at the end, for me, kind of put Batman in a in a bad light. It puts Batman in in terms of you know, at least you can understand Jason Todd's motives, right? You could understand. What's driving him to to do all this? You're never going to understand what the Joker is doing, but you kind of lose sense of, well, then what's what? What are you really doing then, there, Batman? I mean, what's really the point, right? So I don't know. I I kind of saw it a little different. Maybe I, there's, I don't there's think a word for Batman, but I disagree. I really disagree with that because there were a lot of things that you said when you said we. You really meant I because. There's a lot of stuff that you were talking about that I totally disagree with. I think that was a great Joker. I think it was a lot darker. I mean, I we luckily we didn't have the stupid Harley Quinn running around cackling. I think that was a plus. This was more of an adult themed story, and that's what I really enjoyed about it. I don't think Batman was the villain. I think Batman was Batman. Batman was Batman. Here's the you know the thing is is that when we have Batman killing somebody. 
the whole Batman thing goes out the window. Yeah. His whole persona. Whether yeah. you like him or whether you don't like him, oh. that's Batman. Pat, that is Pat, Batman. I don't agree I don't, on much, Corey, but I, I totally give it to disagree. Because here's the thing. The the notion that a modern Batman, I mean, that like the whole point of the story, right? The whole the whole thing is is Batman's antiquated. This this notion of how many times are you going to keep fighting the Joker, keep fighting the Penguin, keep fighting the Riddler, put him in Arkham, then they get out. I mean, over and over and over, it it doesn't paint Batman in a good light. It doesn't paint Batman as a good person. And it makes you question, at least in my mind, it should make you question what then is the point and what then is the value of his approach on crime. I mean, if the goal is really to rid Gotham of crime, he's not doing a very good job of it. Well, Actually, I he's doing a very that, good job of it. I think, Corey, what you've just become, <laughs> I think what's just happened, and guys, you, you <laughs> tell me if I'm an asshole or whatever, but, Corey, I think what just happened is now you get Batman. That is the whole, I, what, wow. you, what you just described, your objection to the Batman ethos and character and universe, that's who Batman is. It's all about a question. It's all about a question of what is good, what is evil, who is good, who is evil what perspective drives who you know what um uh what devices do you use how far is too far though that is the beauty of what batman is it's the constant never-ending always evolving question so yeah i feel like you're i feel like you're putting you're putting your your um how you feel onto batman it's 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 just not it doesn't work that way you can't say that um well, because he did this, he's this. You know, look how did uh, how did Joker get out? I mean, it wasn't Batman that let him out. Batman got him back in jail. You know, that's what I'm saying. Maybe he should just, you know, I just don't. I mean, we have uh, characters that will kill people. We have the Punisher. You know, that will. That's just what I was gonna say. That's away. the Punisher. He's Marvel. He's Marvel. <laughs> well, here's here's one thing that I I think about also is like at some point. What does society owe in this co- equation? What, what? Why is the Joker? Why is not the the state not adjudicated in such a way that the Joker is not put away? Why is it Batman's moral responsibility to make the final decision on whether he gets to live or die? Why isn't uh, Why isn't just the state? Because at Absolutely. some point, do we want wanting our heroes to make final judgments on whether you know? Uh, there's life or not life for those that they disagree with. Cause I mean, that's a, that's, I mean, you could, that, that can be a nuanced question, but once they start making those, do, do we want to go down that road where the heroes are the final, they're, they're not only they're judge dredge. They make, they sentence you at the spot and says, okay, you're done. So, I mean, I, I also think about the dark Knight returns like in his final moment, you know, they there there is the the end story, one of the end stories for the Joker in that mo- in that book or movie. If you watch it, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it. So if you have, if you don't want to hear the spoilers of, <laughs> of the Dark Knight Returns, it's the third it's the third book. I'll give you five, four, three, <laughs> two, one. All right. So so Batman is fighting Joker, and and Joker is about to kill him. So what does the what does Batman do? He's going to break his neck, but at the last bit he can't do it. But he does make him a, a, par, a quadriplegic, and he said, "and and Joker laughs. You can't even do it at the very end. I have to do it myself." And so he snaps his own neck and and kills it, and he, and Batman gets blamed for it, and then the police are after. Him. Well, and, and that here's goes. The here's the 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 key the key element of an antihero is. Gordon should arrest Batman every single time he meets him. Like Batman is a criminal. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, I don't think there's ever been a question about that. I mean, unless you're watching the, no, 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 you know, the sixties series or whatever, Batman's a criminal, everything. He's a vigilante. So everything he does is illegal anyway. So his code is critical to keep him just above the law, right. you know, not above the law, beyond the law's reach, I guess, or, the dark tool the dark side of the tools of the law or whatever but because his relationship with gordon is very critical and you know so i really feel like the big loser in all this are uh, 
Will's no. That's <laughs> so no. Right, listen, I can take this down a whole. He's taking notes. I'm not He's taking notes. Doctor Corey Berger here. He's taking notes, buddy. No, you know, it, here's the here's the the real the person that really gets hurt out of all this are property owners in Gotham. Look at all the <laughs> shit they crash through and break and tear up. I think it's horrible. Well, what that damn chemical plant was destroyed again. You know, again, oh, yeah. They need to have that guy. Let's Their profit margin must be pretty good to be able to come back from that. <laughs> Probably black mass property insurance anyway. So, but you know, it's so, it's real. It's really hard to uh, to basically. Uh, tr- for the insurance company to fight all the uh, bat, you know, little bat toys laying around in this rubble, you know, oh, that's yeah, it was Batman. See, that's what happened. Yeah, okay, no acts of God it. or Batman, right? Right. <laughs> right. You know what? I think would be a good story is, uh, you know, I don't I, is is Batman being blamed for a bunch of deaths as if he did kill him, and then they use social media to basically create him as a you know a villain of of the state i could see well, that, that, that pretty was, easily that well, was kind of that, the, that was kind of the superman batman thing wasn't it yeah but it wasn't died and they were done very well i was thinking uh, well, no, uh, uh, captain zemo and i know it's in the marvel universe but his whole his whole thing was his family died when the avengers uh, was it fought ultron and destroyed Slovenia or right so that was I mean that was that was touched upon within the the Marvel universe of you know the the Battle of New York right they they do bring up the fact that people died because of their their actions and the actions of the Shikari but they say but they so to to your point Corey few died to save the many right like I mean right but, no, but then, honestly, my, then were, my argument yeah, would be why, then why was that then why does that not apply i mean the my thing with, with to, to your point norbert is if batman like mike said is a vigilante so yeah theoretically in a in in if the world was as it should be sure the state would take care of it but also too the state would do a better job of going after the joker and they don't so they rely very heavily on on batman so he he is as mike said illegal in my mind at least for a modern telling or at least for the kind of telling that they were going for in under the red hood why not why not get close to that line or why not push that line kind of like what they do in the killing joke they leave it very ambiguous but but the but the consensus by most is that yeah he does finally kill this uh, Batman Death in the Family, October 2020, came out, and, and it is a interactive, has an interactive storyline. So you can choose, like, I don't know, seven different alternate endings. And the other thing I wanted to share about that is it was directed by Brandon Vietti, the same guy that directed Under the Red Hood. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. One of the things that I think about with like the whole Batman mythos. I mean, there's there's several things that I think about. And number one is I think about he's become sort of a, I would say he's a myth, like in, in, or a legend that, you know, like Hercules was during the Greek times and all that sort of stuff. You know, he's become one of those. And so it's like, if you're a custodian of that myth, how far do you push it? You know what I mean? Like, because it's not something that I think about what kind of lessons do I want to teach younger impressionable people? I, I mean, maybe it's because I'm a dad and I'm, I, I'm, I'm starting to think about those things in a more serious way. Like I, I have no problems with the Punisher mowing down everybody in a city block because <laughs> I mean, he's not considered in that same way. So if I was in that position of writing that character I think I would be, I'd focus on his um, sort of his maniacal compulsion and I would make him violent. And I think I would make him make people that couldn't walk for, for years so that I, I would, so that he would be, that they would be object lessons to other people that, you know, how, how crossing the Batman would be a terrible and awful thing. But I don't know that I could make him kill if I was writing it. 
even though he is he is sort of the Avenger uh, uh, a mythos, where Superman is the protector, uh, not per, uh, well, yeah, the protector. Yeah, he's right. uh, the savior type. So I I don't know. I, that's one of the things I I I'm I'm wondering. Could I write if I was in helming that char- that character? Could I do that? I don't know. But it's an interesting thing to ponder. You know, I think that. And every time we talk about that, that idea of what, you know, Batman, and you bring up, you know, we're, we're like earlier talking about Batman, Dark Knight Returns. I never, I can't look at Superman the same as a pawn of the government. Like it, it, he is in that, that, uh, the, that book. Yeah, he's forever I, I changed your Batman, view, Rob. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Batman, even in that, you know, even in that movie, um, he stays, you know, this is it for him, you know, and he stays the course of uh, his, his moral code. I thought it was, uh, it's, it's interesting. I would be, I wouldn't be happy to see Batman killing people. I just don't think it would be right for me. Oh, is there anybody in Gotham, like a hero in Gotham that, that just, you know, mows people down or kills people? I don't know, you know. Jason Todd is the Red Hood. Yeah, the Red Hood. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty. I will also say I, I wanted to. Was I watching this? One of the things I thought about with the Red Hood, I almost I understand why they had to do it, where he was sort of nuts, but I know if you study history, there was a and there to this day there's a lot of people, and a lot of important people, that think that organized crime is way better than disorganized crime. And the idea of the Red Hood taking over the organized crime syndicate in order to clean it up or keep it, keeping the underworld at uh, under heel, that idea is a lot, of, a lot of influential people have thought that through our history. I mean, and... Our premier law enforcement organization and, thought that for many decades, and I and I just well, thought it interesting. His here. idea, he was presented as crazy. A lot of people think that. You know, that's an interesting thing. So you bring that up, and that makes me think back to some of Corey's, Corey's comments. And the fact I will say that something interesting about this particular Batman was so Red Hood was saying crime is inevitable. Like he, he, he was like, we might as well, to your point, Norbert, that we might as well control it. And why doesn't Batman get that? Because to not kill and do and stop, he has to get it on some level, but he pretends it's almost like cognitive dissonance. He just pretends that what he's doing is, and, and I think, I think Batman to the citizens of Gotham for the citizens of Gotham does make a difference because I think he does represent to the crime you know, element that, you know, there's, there's a line. And if you cross it, Batman, you know, then Batman, you know, but for Batman to pretend as though, you know, crime isn't inevitable. That's, that's a little immature. That's a little, you know, play, I I don't know, play acting. I don't know, toy. But LARPing. I I mean, (laughs) I I would, I would say in this movie, he's not, I guess that's the thing. He's not really feared, right? Because here comes the Red Hood. There, there's even a, a line uh, in the movie where they go, oh, yeah, crime's down. Like, like drugs are up this percentage and crime's down this percentage, right? And Jason Todd's like, okay, you guys are going to be dealing for me now. Just don't deal with the kids in near schools. I mean, in my mind, this movie does, you know, Jason Todd does more to, to – diminish and and lessen crime than batman does because clearly the black mask was not afraid of batman nor was he nor did his uh, the elements of his operation change because of batman which then makes me wonder is batman at least in this story is he weak is he ineffectual i mean i think jason todd makes him a little bit ineffectual i think it's almost a yeah it's emotional kryptonite almost right mm-hmm. like it, it made he made batman non-functional in large ways that we expect batman to to be able to 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 behave so wow you guys you guys are so 
off on this. Let me tell you why. <laughs> I knew like, if I kept, I knew if I kept at it, I could just bring Mike over just little by little. Well, here's the deal. So we watch. You know, when you watch five minutes of a scene in New York, you don't know the whole thing, and that's what's going on here. We don't know what Batman has done to thwart these guys and to keep them down you haven't seen that because that's not what's in the story the story is about how red hood comes in and kind of disrupts things well just sure, because you came get, in and said that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that, he, that that they were dealing to kids it doesn't mean anything like that and i think that i think batman understands that there's going to be crime but when you start taking people out and and doing this, then then they then you're a Batman's problem, right? Well, so I, I he's working think, with I mean, the police. I think the, the story does a good job of providing those baselines, right? So, I mean, yeah, they might not give you the backstory about the Black Mask, but clearly, if you know he's trying to go international, he's got a pretty sizable operations. I mean, you can surmise that from the the things that they talk about in the movie. So. Yeah, while they might not explicitly state it, you can get a pretty good sense that crime's probably a big deal and a big problem in Gotham. But then when the Red Hood comes, it it becomes less of a problem. You know, no, I didn't so, see that at all. Actually, I've seen it being more of a problem. Look at the property damage. For one thing, it's just ridiculous <laughs> through the roof. But uh, um, well, that's amazing. That's 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 with amazing. Actuarials here in a but I mean. And and no, Pat you know, was not a that, uh, insurance adjuster in his past <laughs> life. Was it amazing? But Delia, all this robot? stuff that's being, that's happening is because of the Red Hood. All this stuff, all the violence that we've seen, because of the Red Hood. Every bit of it. Tell me that it wasn't. Now, when you say he's going international, how you're talking about Batman going international? No, oh. the Black Mask. So the whole reason why he brings that Amazo robot was because he was going to get the highest bidder to basically fund him going international and, and right and, right and the, no more small time. potatoes yeah no more small yeah. potatoes that's right i don't think gotham is any worse off than others and the thing is batman can't be everywhere all right but back to the kryptonite argument batman said thank you nightwing and alfred noted that because that is completely out of character for batman sure so, so what's the point? It's just that that the, the lovey dovey Batman is that the, yeah, the kinder, gentler Batman? Yeah, a little bit, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So I see him jacking up a lot of people in this movie. So you know, I, I one of the things that I was thinking about was when did Batman really become popular? Because I was thinking about he was he 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 was first uh, out in what the forties, thirty nine, forty. And, you know, when he come out, who knows what, what his popularity was. But I do remember he hit when, uh, what was it, Neil Adams and Denny, I think his name was Denny O'Neill, wrote Batman in the 70s. He was really popular. And I don't know if part of it was a cultural thing in our, like, because at that time, also Dirty Harry was popular, Charles Bronson and Death Wish was popular. I wonder if he sort of becomes more popular depending on where people think in terms of their feeling of safety and security overall. You know, like in a domestic sense, like in the 70s, everybody was, New York City was a mess and everybody knew it was. Urban areas where, you know, uh, crime was out of control. You know, he's that hero that we look to and go, yeah, he's going to he's going to fix that or at least he's going to make it better. He's going to take it out. And I just wonder if that's part of the appeal is like it's it's sort of like a, you know, you go. It's not so much that he cleans up crime totally. It's just a primal response of people to, oh, yeah, he's going to fix it. I guess there's no response to that. I'm, I don't, I'm I don't looking know. to see. So Batman originally came out in 39. And in his first incarnation, when he knocked somebody into a vat, a vat of acid, he quipped a fitting ending for his kind. So he he has gone through kind of ebbs and flows as far as 
relative viciousness, pleasure in his work, that kind of stuff. Well, there were, at the very beginning of the, when they, they first did a Batman TV series, he had a gun. Dude walked around with a gun and shot me. Oh, wow. So it, it's like anything else. You know, we, we look at what we see today and think it's always been, you know, it's canon. And it kind of isn't. Um, but I, I feel like it's like anything else. You know, you, you get comfortable with the character. And you want somebody to be somebody that doesn't, you want somebody that doesn't change. It's a hero, man. You know, you don't want him to, to change. I, I look, you know, I love Conan and that dude will rip anybody apart. He doesn't give a shit, you know? So, I mean, there's different characters. They do different things. If you want somebody that's going to blast people in the face with a gun or rip their arms off and beat them with them, there's plenty of characters out there, but this is Batman. You know, this is a Batman story. And, and those things hinge upon, you know, his moral attitude at fighting, fighting crime. You know, it's, uh, it's just, it's just the way it is. If you don't like it, then you're, that's fine, but it's not Batman. Well, I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think Batman along with other comic book characters should change and they should reflect the times in which they're being written for right uh and so you know the reality is is that the the um adam west batman is is campy right but it it fit for the time it fit for for what was going on the 60s kind of and the hippie probably, and yeah yeah it probably he didn't kill anybody work, either by the way just right. it, it probably wouldn't work now but i i would say to me if you're going to compare Batman's of the 2010s, I would say Christopher Nolan's Batman is probably a far more realistic and you know better version than than the Batman in Under the Red Hood. I just I think the Batman in Under the Red Hood was kind of weak. Maybe probably would have been better suited for maybe late 90s, early 2000s. But you know, I definitely think that like people and like societies, our comic book characters should change and they should undergo different things, different experiences and different transformations. You know, that's probably in my mind why the older I get, the less appealing Superman becomes to me. You know, I loved Superman as a kid. Now, not as much because he's the same fucking character. He's too one-dimensional. Yeah, he's yeah. the same. He's he's you know he's the same person. And 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 there there are times there are stories I really like Batman. The story of the Batman he fall if uh, his ship falls in um, Soviet Russia, and he becomes sort of a champion of of the communists. I thought that was kind of a, an interesting take. Um, and then if you've read or seen any of like the injustice stuff where Batman becomes or not Batman Superman becomes this ultra justice reformer killing heroes and villains alike who don't fit his, his mold. So they've done some things with him, but by and large, Mike, you're right. He's, he's one dimensional and, and, and it just yeah. becomes boring. and You have a hard time telling those stories. Well, and that, that's well, where bat that's where Batman fills in on the DC side of things is he's multidimensional, but I will say Corey that while this Batman may not have been, been as good as Batman Begins, Batman, or Dark Knight ba Batman. He's far better than Dark Knight Rises Batman, okay? Because Dark Knight Rises Batman is some hot garbage. But we just don't get me started on that because you already did. Well, don't yeah, I mean, talk about the, the, the scene right. underneath the, the subway. Sewers. Sewers. Yeah. Oh, more. Subway or no, sewers. don't go there. No, don't. Because, because you know, so, honestly, I rewatched that a few months ago and – I just feel like you can see all the signs of Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale just checking out contracts. Like yeah. you could just, yeah. I mean, the contrast between the second movie and the third, it's like, I, I'm going to pull, I'm going to, I'm going to pull uh, a matrix and just pretend that they never made a third one. Christopher <laughs> Nolan did a great two movie sequel combination. <laughs> That's what he did. One of the things I, I, I'm getting hesitant to say too much because I, I feel like I don't really understand the time. I don't think I fully understand the time we're at right now when you say, Corey, that things change and evolve. I'm not sure I quite understand where we're at. And so it makes it hard for me to comment on it. 
But I do think, I don't think people change as much as the situation, not situation. I think that our, our sensibilities change so much, but the fundamental nature of man doesn't really change as much. I think there's ways to make characters work within the paradigm they live in, but the way you write them has to be different. And so I don't know, I don't know, like I think about the Winter Soldier is sort of my example of a one-dimensional character like Captain America written in a super interesting story. The writer said, hey, Captain America doesn't change. Steve Rogers doesn't change. What we have to do is make the situations around him interesting and have him grapple with those situations in interesting ways. But he's fundamentally going to be the same and everybody else is going to change around him. So personally, I, I'm more in that camp that I think that, that it's more the situations and the character itself can be interesting. But my problem is I just don't think there's a lot of skilled writing going around there, uh, you know. Yeah, but that's my uh, view. I don't know. I would, I hate to even bring this up because I think they butchered the storyline, but I would maybe venture to guess and say that Steve Rogers isn't the same. That, you know, in my mind, he, you know, by the time you get to Steve Rogers in the Civil War storyline, he's, he's questioning things that he wasn't questioning before. So I don't know if he, I mean, again, I, I think of the Muhammad Ali quote, right? The man who's the same at 50 as he was at 20 has wasted 30 years of his life. And I think the same goes for our comic book character. You know, like one of the things that, that uh, I appreciated about say Daredevil, right? Netflix's Daredevil with uh, Charlie Cox was that that's the first time, that's the first iteration of, of Daredevil. And I, I will admit, I'm not a huge fan of Daredevil, but that was the first time that I saw an iteration of Daredevil that was, that was, you know, scared. That was, you know, that, that, that wasn't necessarily the man of fear. That wasn't, you know, the Daredevil that, that I kind of read about or saw in the comic books growing up. And that's why I liked him even more, you know, uh, the, Norbert, you and I have had conversations about uh, uh, Mr. Purple, right? What what, what I man, like yeah. about you know what I like about Mr. Purple is that he's an unconventional villain. Oh in, yeah, in, you know, in the sense of the things that he does and doesn't do. So you know, I, I so I, I mean, I think I think they do change. I think they have to change, or else they don't sell a lot of comic books. Actually, I think it's the other way around. I think if they change too much, the readership goes away, and that's. That's been a lot of ways, you know, what we talked about, you know, the, the character of, uh, of the Red or the Jason character, fans didn't like him, so they got rid of him. You know, that's kind of how that happened. But they don't get rid of Batman, and they're not wanting him to change morality changes. He, It's not Batman anymore. So, like I said, there's a plenty of people out there to do, do your killing and do this and do that. There's some a few smart stories out there that work really well. I also think that we have a barrage of Batman and almost every Batman that you see is slightly different. You know, you see Batman from, you know, uh, son of Batman. You see Batman with uh, Gotham after, you know, Gotham under gaslight, which is, you know, it's like Sherlock Holmes Gotham. So there's a lot, and they do a lot of these kind of elsewhere things, which I freaking love. But the bottom line is the, 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 the constant in that is Batman. And this is not, this is not a Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali character. This is not a real character. Although I do like the stuff when it, it becomes more real. It's not as cartoonish or cartoonish at all. You know, when I was a kid, I love the Adam West Batman. Now I just, I can't hardly watch it. But the bottom line is, you know, we want to see, we want to see Batman. You want him to be the hero. You don't want him to, you know, change his morals. I just, I don't think any, I really don't think anybody wants that. And I think if they want it, if they want some a character like that, there's plenty out there. So, and and just getting back to this movie, I don't see a huge difference between the Batman in this and the Batman in Batman Begins. Now, I do see a huge difference in the Joker, of course, and who doesn't love the Dark Knight uh, Joker? But I thought these these characters were true to form, you know, and they offer the story that uh, is a is a really good story, and it's. It's got nice conflict. So, you know, I liked it. 
I, I will say this. The thing that I thought was interesting, well, one for me, my final uh, review of, of this is that I liked it and I liked it for a couple of different reasons. So sort of diversity, diversity of characterizations. One of the things that Pat just said that I thought was interesting, it feels like Batman is, I mean, this is an ensemble cast of characters, a story. It's doesn't, I mean, it's a Batman story, but it's also a Red Hood story. It's also, uh, well, I mean, it's a Red Hood story. So I found that interesting. I almost like this movie for, for what it made me think about more than I liked the movie. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah. And I like, and I thought it was, but I thought it was fine, uh, succinct storytelling in the end. Uh, economical, the characterization was good. You know, one can quibble on on whether, you know, the Joker, because I think there's some fair criticism on that point. But overall, I, I liked it. I'd say that um, if, uh, I'd say that it's definitely worth a watch. I think if you can, I will encourage you if you've not seen it to sit through the first 40 minutes because there's a ton of telegraphing and, you know, uh, poorly done foreshadowing. It's not even foreshadowing, it's for lighting. I don't even know what you would call it. It's just, um, but the story does develop well and surprises you in ways that that foreshadowing set you up. It, it kind of sets you up it, with certain expectations that it, that it went well beyond and, uh, uh, it's intelligent. It's uh, um, it's well acted. It's well performed. Uh, a little bit different take on, as we pointed out, uh, but well worth your time. So, Corey, last words? Yeah, I uh, I will second what Norbert said. I, I think the value of the movie for me is is not so much in the film, but what the film makes you think and, and the philosophical elements that that it elicits is is really fascinating because it, in my mind it it makes me think about comic books as a whole and the reflection of their reflection of our society or how we, uh, their use as a medium of a reflection of our society. So uh, I definitely recommend seeing. Uh, I think uh, that was fun, man. Uh, I'm glad we all got to check this out and uh, hopefully we'll meet again soon with another one. Mike made a good suggestion with the uh, killing joke. Um, and if you guys want to do that, I don't mind a bit. With that, I will say good night. Good night. Good night. Later. Thanks for hanging out with us on the True Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please visit us at Facebook. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay true and stay creative. You're too late Catch a ride somewhere else Catch a ride Catch a ride somewhere else